Hello and welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, episode 167, part 2, for Monday the 26th of August 2019. Welcome to Paul's Podcast Diary, your weekly glimpse into the life of indie author Paul Teague. Find out how many words got written over the past seven days, hear what's on the planning board, and discover the tips and tools which Paul is using to self-publish his books and get them selling as fast as possible. This is Paul's Podcast Diary, and here's your show host, Paul Teague. Last week, Bill Cocus gave me his end-of-term report for my writing, having just given a first-pass edit to my book, Now You See Her. This week, it's the turn of Julie Cordiner to review two of my books, Now You See Her and Left for Dead. Now, Julie has given both of those books a full and proper and comprehensive edit now. Julie is moving into editing work, having written a series of non-fiction books for school managers and a historical fiction novel, which is yet to be published. When we chatted for the podcast, I started by asking Julie why she's making that move into doing more editing. Well, it's the part of the process I enjoy the most, actually. Um... Um, I think we're a bit yin and yang, you and I. You you love the creative flow. And I really enjoy having that block of marble and sculpting it and making it even better. Um, and I just gradually over time, I suppose I've always been like that, but over time I've just become really interested in the editing process. Um, so, you know, I, I, I'm still intending to write. Um, I nearly finished my first novel, <laughs> um, but I've been reading, you know, since childhood and I've been but just become more and more interested really in that side of it. Um, but sort of lifestyle wise, my husband's retiring at the end of September and so we want to do quite a bit more traveling. So I just felt it was time to just rebalance things a little bit and do less on the consultancy side, which has, has been taking up a lot of my time and and move more into writing, editing, online courses, those sorts of things, which really I can do from anywhere. Now we have this wonderful digital world. Yeah, it's fantastic, isn't it? Now, this yin and yang thing, um, I, I really subscribe to this because the, the more I've been talking about this on the podcast recently, I'm absolutely convinced that your, your mind is kind of wired a certain way. And mm. like for me, editing is just, it's boring, it's un, uncreative, I find it really, really painful. But I mean, you've seen the rate of knots I can turn the books out at the yes. moment as well. And yet, so so here you are still on your first book. I think I've just started book 21. And yet you're telling me you love editing. And you see, I can't get my head around that at all. What is it you like about editing? Because to me, it's a, a tedious job of picking over words. <laughs> well, I'm analytical, I suppose, you know, and all through my school life and, and university and so on, I've always enjoyed languages. So my A-levels were English, French and Latin. And I did, a, a, well, I started off on a joint English and classics degree, but then switched to classics, which had literature and language and history and art and architecture and everything in it. Um, so I, I've just always always been that way I just love the way you can make language say different things and the way you can change an emphasis the way you use commas or you know the the way you split up your sentences the rhythm of it I just find it fascinating I, I just I just love it and, and it goes with the analytical things I've been an accountant all my career 
Um, and that just being able to just get really deep into something, I just find that tremendously satisfying. It's interesting because I love uh, coding. I, I've always loved coding uh-huh. and being in Dreamweaver. And so I, I thought I was probably fairly kind of geeky analytical. But then the, the editing does nothing for me whatsoever. Yet I could be absorbed in a coding problem for ages mm. and I love getting lost in the <laughs> labyrinth of it and I guess that would horrify you wouldn't it you know the- yes it would <laughs> <laughs> so it's funny I, I I'm I am becoming sort of convinced that we're just all kind of wired different ways mm. and it, it doesn't particularly matter how you're wired because you bring certain strengths to the party and certain mm. weaknesses and, and we kind of all balance each other out hopefully Yes, I think so. And I think it's I'm very much subscribed to that thing about you play to your strengths, farm out your weaknesses, <laughs> you know, yeah, so absolutely. it just why torture yourself if you really don't enjoy it, then if it makes more sense, your time is more valuable and better spent doing the things that you're strong in, you'll get along faster that way. Then if you try to, you know, do everything, unfortunately, I can't find somebody to do my first draft for me. <laughs> I, I was just going to say, don't ask me to do your first draft because <laughs> I'm not volunteering. Because uh, see, I look at you with that book and I think, what's keeping you, Julie? You know, get 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 the book out there. I can't. So I can't understand what your block is, whereas you probably can't understand what my well, block is. Well, it's not are, it's but... not so much a block. I've written three nonfiction books in the last 18 months. I've mm. had a busy consultancy. I run my consultancy, which, you know, that varies. But I was doing three days a week for nearly three years, you know. So it's it's just been a matter of time. And to get the nonfiction business going, that was very much a matter of having to do all the marketing and setting up your newsletter, you know, your email list, your uh, blog, you know, blogging every month and newsletter every month, sort of interchanging them. So and and. You know, it just and travel, you know, holidays and and such like and and just trying to balance everything out. So it was when I decided to be serious about my novel that it actually came really, really quickly, relatively, um, because I'm more on the sort of, well, I have been told I'm more towards the literary end, um, but it's historical fiction. Um, You know, it it is something and, and having to do the research and everything, it's just naturally slower. I could never do the fast production. I wouldn't want to because I prefer to take it slowly and really enjoy the process of thinking about the story and um, and moulding it uh, and shaping it and, and going quite slowly with it and revisiting it. I mean, I, I suppose part of it, I could be actually frightened of, of publishing it, who knows? So I just keep tinkering, you know, and then I don't have to publish it. Well, that's, that's what I see, Julie, you see. That's what I see, procrastination, you see, because you know what I say, you know, I say, get it out, you'll soon find out whether it's any good or not, you know, when you've, when you've got it out there, which is always my view. But um, you're not over-polishing it. You see, you, were, you use that word literary, right? Now, if you're reading my books, you're in the wrong place for literary mm. because I don't, I do, as you know, I do not do literary mm-hmm. fiction. I just, you know, bang them out, just tell a story uh, and get on with yeah. it. So um, do, you, do you always read literary? You say you veer to the literary. Do you, or can you, know, are you, can you read a kind of, I was going to call it 20 books. 50 Shades is what I'm trying to say. Not 20 books, 50 Shades. (laughs) I haven't read that, no. But um, I I read very widely. Uh, I really do. Um, The only thing I don't like is science fiction. Although, you know, when I was when I was younger, I I veered into Tolkien and, you know, the uh, various sort of on that spectrum of imagination and and so on. Um, But it's not, I don't consider myself literary. That's what somebody else has said that I veer towards that end. I'm not literary fiction. Um, But with going to the Festival of Writing every year 
in York, I do tend to hear a lot of and meet a lot of people that write at that sort of end of the spectrum. Uh, but I wouldn't certainly pretend to be literary myself. Mm, I, I love the Festival of Writing. I've been a couple of mm. times. Did, 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 we, did we meet at the no, Festival of Writing? No, we didn't. No, it was 20 books in, in London that we actually met in person first. All right. So I must have passed you twice at, <laughs> Possibly. Uh, at, at York. <laughs> um, but, but that's one of the things that struck me. I think it's actually a really brilliant festival. Mm. I, really, I really enjoy it. It's, uh, and the food's great and the accommodation's great. It's a really good weekend there. <laughs> it but, is. but I was, I, I, I was amazed. Um, I felt like a voice in the wilderness as somebody who was um, self-publishing. And this was quite early in my mm. self-publishing career. And I remember sitting next to a lady there who had been back three years in the row, in a row, kept getting literary feedback and kept going back to polish the book. And each year they would mm. say, you know, it needs a bit more polishing. And I said to her, you could have had that blasted thing published three years ago. You could have had three more written and you'd be a better writer and you'd have some feedback, you know, rather than just keep going, seeking this approval yes. that seeking every year. And it just, it kind of wound me up a little right. bit because um, very traditional in that respect. Yeah. I, I go for the writing craft workshops and because there are so many people that I like to catch up with, I've, we've got a real sort of community now of, of people that meet up every year. Um, and I, I go for that and for the dinner. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, it's, it's David a... Goffrin is, is the regular there now. So they do have, you know, they, they are much more combined, um, traditional and uh, self-publishing. Were you there that year? They they have uh, on the Sunday morning. They have usually the Indian yes. versus trad debate. Mm -hmm. Were you there that year when an agent said you, writers need us more than we need them? Were you yes. there when there was a gasp in the room? <laughs> wow, wasn't that didn't that divide a room? <laughs> He was about to get lynched, that guy. Mm. It was very, very interesting. But actually, that's one of the best um, trad versus indie debates yes. I've seen uh, there. I really enjoy those debates. Yes, so do I. <laughs> and it changed, because I, I was there the year before, the whole um, sort of mood and ethos, because um, who was there? Uh, Bookature, Bookature were there. Yes, the lady from right. Bookature was great. And I think, I, I can't remember, Dave was probably there yes, too. Yes, And And, and um, who's the chap, Harry, yes, who, Harry who runs it? from and and he very visibly had made a, a mind shift mm. in, in the course of a year where he was more mm -hmm. open. And it was absolutely fascinating, I mm. thought. And uh, I didn't feel quite so in the wilderness after that when I was there. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's a good event. I, I'd recommend it. I'm taking – well, you go there every yes, year, I think, I do, don't yes. you? Yes, I do, yes. Yes, even if you're indie, it's a great event. Now, I know also – there is it Debbie Alp – Debbie Alper. Alper. Olpa, Olpa, I was nearly mm -hmm. there. Um, she runs a course, and I, I know that one of the things I twigged at that conference was that the people who were doing really well mm -hmm. seemed to have all had their books edited on Debbie's course. Mm -hmm. they, they were kind of winning prizes and doing readings, yes. and they were generally going on, and I just thought, hmm, this is worth clocking. Uh, there's, there's a correlation here mm -hmm. between them. And, and you've done Debbie's course. I, I did, believe, yes. It was, it's the self-editing course, um, and it's, it's now... Jericho Writers. It was the Writers Workshop, and it's a six-week online course. I think there were about fourteen of us when I when I did it, and it's a, a weekly lesson on various you know different aspects of the craft of of actually editing your own. So it goes through you know the the plot, the structure of it, characterisation, your prose, things like psychic distance, where you zoom in and out of a character to get that depth and and pull back, um, and it, it just it was transformational really for me 
Um, it, it gives you the tools to do it yourself. But actually, you all critique each other's. Each week you post maybe 300 words or something like that from your work in progress, and you critique each other's. And then the tutor, Debbie and uh, Emma Darwin, is also involved, uh, swoop in at the end of the week and do their commentary. And it just blows you away, the things they see and the ideas they give you for improving. So that, that was brilliant. They have about a 25% success rate. Um, compared to about 1% of people just submitting to agents. Yeah, it's very good. i tell you what I will do is I'll put a link to that course on the show notes for this episode <laughs> mm-hmm. because it is so highly respected. Now, I, I'm trying to think why why I haven't done it yet because I did clock that and think that's something I need to do. Mm. I think probably, isn't it funny, people get um, sort of paralysed by different things. Mm. But I'm, I'm, a- I'm absolutely terrified by giving people 300 words and having people pour all over. I was. I'd, I'd never let anybody see my writing before I did that course, but everybody was so kind and generous with their help. And it was never critical. It was friendly and constructive, and we all sympathised. <laughs> and it was funny, there were three, three, I think, of us who were doing books that had art or artists in them, <laughs> which was quite a coincidence, and a few, quite a few historicals in there as well. So, but they do vary. <laughs> the other thing I, I got from attending the, the couple of events that I did at York was that it seems to create quite a nice little community among the attendees of that Definitely. course, and that creates a support network for future self-editing yes. as well. Is that... That's it right. is, yes. I mean, we, I, I went to a retreat in Derbyshire with the number of them that had been on, not just my version of the course, because it's run several times a year, but, you know, different ones. And essentially, that's the group that meets up at the festival every year, um, you know, but lots of people, some of the groups are still kept going within their little course numbers um so yeah it, it does and debbie is just terrific uh, you know she is just so supportive and uh you know it just every she just enthuses everybody so one of the advantages of doing this podcast is that when i announce that i'm writing a book and that i need somebody to help me well i, I didn't even announce it but i said it was a usa language book mm-hmm. and, and bill bill cocus uh, volunteered to to read the book and and you contacted me and and, and uh, I think you were just speculating about maybe starting some editing mm-hmm. work and you said I'll do a, a sort of a sample mm. edit on that book so that we both get to know each other <clears throat> and it's just funny how these things all come together and, and I always say that one of the benefits of this podcast is that kind of networking mm. effect um, and it, it's been fascinating for that so you, you and I agreed um, to, to give it a mm-hmm. go on, on on both sides really I think and um, so you edited I can't even remember the title of the dead. book to give you that. thank you very <laughs> much <laughs> and the other one i've just written which is now you see her yes. so um so at the time of recording this then you've edited left for dead and bizarrely because i am so up against the wall with with deadlines and this sausage factory mm-hmm. i haven't looked at your edit right. at the time of recording this uh, simply because i absolutely have to control myself and do things in the order at the set time otherwise they won't get done um, so that that's a bit strange. Um, where are you up to with Now You See Her at the moment? I've done a complete first pass through. Um, so now I'm doing a reread just to check for things I've missed. And also with the hindsight of now knowing the complete story, I can go back and make sure that it all flows logically, that there's no inconsistencies or things that might trip you up in the plot. Um, I mean, it, what I'm doing is more of a copy edit, copy edit than I'm not doing a developmental edit. I'm doing a copy edit, um, just shaping the words and the phrases and the punctuation and grammar and stuff. Um, but I do 
identify if I come across anything that I think you need to take into account and maybe shift things around or whether it's something that, that is slightly illogical. Um, so I'm, I'm just doing the, the final read through now. So the question is, having done two of my books, have I put you off editing for life yet? No, no, never. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good start. So we're starting from that touch point. Okay, that, that's good. We haven't frightened the life out of you. So uh, let, let's start with Left for Dead um, first then. Uh, um, do you read thrillers? That's the other thing yes, I should say to you. Yes, I do. So it's very much your genre. Oh, yes. Okay, so uh, interestingly, Left for Dead, this is just a coincidence really, but you, you let me know that it's based in a holiday camp and I worked there as a student uh, and you went there as a child. I I believe. Is that right? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so you've got that kind of little, almost, I, I guess you kind of know what I was talking about a lot oh, of the time. Oh, yes, as well, definitely. It was the sort of, I had a bit of an affection for it really. <laughs> So I, I, I fictionalised it, of course, so I, I can't even remember whether there was a, a pool in there, but there is now because I, I needed oh, one. Was. <laughs> um, uh, I think there was a pool yes, somewhere in was. there, but I, I don't know where it was. So um, what, what was your kind of first reaction then on, on getting that book, um, you know, uh, from, from an editor's point mm -hmm. of view? Because I'd written it, I'd, I'd kind of read it through, so I've tried, um, but, you know, an edit is I've read it through, I've tried to look for consistencies, spellings, it's far from perfect, but hopefully it's not. A complete mess. Mm -hmm. So, so what was your view of it when you received it? I really enjoyed the storyline. I, I thought that was done very well. It was. I won't give anything away. Don't worry. <laughs> I've got sales to make. Yes. I've got to pay for an editor journey. <laughs> what, I, what I liked about it was the the characterisation and this sort of pull between the past and the present, and that's what I I've I've got in mind a time slip novel. Um, to write in the future um, but I really enjoy reading uh, Time Slip um, but that sort of inner thriller I thought that worked really well that you have these things that went on in the past that this couple have never talked about um, and they come back into real life and I, I really enjoyed that sort of characterization and the tension between them and it really does rattle along um, so I think the thing generally about both of these books is that you do take the reader with you and, and the action rattles along. But I like the dash of humour in it as well. Um, and particularly in Left for Dead, but also in Now You See Her, um, there's a really strong sense of setting and location in, in them both. And I think you describe that really well without it sort of being shoehorned in. Yeah. Now, interesting, I let you into a secret because one of the things that Bill said to me uh, in the interview that I did with Bill, which you will have heard, <laughs> but in, uh, by the time this goes out, you'll have heard it, but you haven't no, heard haven't. it at the moment when we're recording <laughs> it. One of the things Bill said to me, um, you, you'll know because you listen to the podcast, is that I intentionally don't give a lot of description. Mm -hmm. That is that stylistic on yes. my part because I don't like, I like you. It comes from radio. In the, When I was on the radio, people said, oh, you don't look like I imagined you. <laughs> Um, they, they used to listen to your voice, form a picture. They was always disappointed that you were older, younger, not as tall. Mm -hmm. you know, they, they mm -hmm. pick, and so that's why how I write my books, in that I give you just enough yes. um, to, to, to picture it, mm -hmm. but not so much that we're into kind of literary fiction, mm -hmm. I, because I don't do literary fiction. Now, you're saying that you like that. Interestingly, yes. Bill thought that was too, he thought it was too sparse. He said, you know, I, I would say give a little bit more description. Now, of course, all of this mm -hmm. is subjective. Mm -hmm. I, I'm the author and sort of what I say goes at the end at the end of the day. But so you found that 
that's interesting because that's you know two different bits of feedback and you'll always find that you know you, your books don't appeal to everyone because readers like different things so i think it's just not getting too hung up about it you've got to go with your voice and your style because you know if you start messing about because of different feedback then you'll only confuse the readers that want to stick with you now i know that because uh, helen fazal i think has done 18 of my books all right so talk about <laughs> after doing that lot she's done a lot of those books and i and i know i'm annoying as heck because um you know helen does lovely style guides um you know she, she's told me these things time and time again but this is what i go back to with brains you know you can tell me this stuff but when i'm writing i just don't remember it i you know it's flow of consciousness i i, I get it out there and so you must have been frustrated by a lot of things like hyphens and Mm. commas mm. and all sorts of annoying things so so what are the annoying things that i was doing that i keep doing yeah commas is number one i think that's probably a very high percentage of the changes that i'm making um too many or too few julie well sort of in the wrong places i guess <laughs> <laughs> it's like eric morkham all the yes. right notes in the wrong order isn't it <laughs> brilliant yes yeah i mean it it, it sounds pedantic to people that don't understand the technicality behind it but i'll give you one example right from now you see her and the first the first way i'm saying it is how you've written it and the second is after i've added the comma we're here to help bianca we're here to help bianca yes okay, that is yeah. totally different meaning mm. in each of those examples so the first you're helping bianca second mm. you're explaining to her that you're here to help yeah, and this is why I need people like you. Because, <laughs> right. I'm a creative force lover. <laughs> Essentially, what you're doing is you're writing as you would say it. Yes. Whereas, you know, I'm converting it into something that can be read and get the meaning spot on. So that's, yeah. that, that's the main thing, which can be learnt. And I've got a link for you to an article that I found when I was trying to think about the best way of explaining the correct use to you. Um, so I'll send you the link to that. It's on a website called Business Insider. So it's not specifically about novels, but it's about writing generally. But it gives some really good examples um, of different situations as to when you would, would and wouldn't use a comma. And it's quite, it does use some technical language, but if you actually look at the examples, you can see very clearly what, what they mean. So I'll, I'll send you that and you can put it in the, the show notes in case it would help anybody else. Um, I think the, the other things are things like just tightening the narrative, I think. Um, I do this as well. I know I do in my own, in my own writing is sort of emphasizing something by saying it twice <laughs> and mm. it means the same thing so for example you say uh, fists clenched hard well if they're clenched yes. then they're they're hard yes. um yes. soiled with dirt what else would it be soiled? well yes. it could be soiled with something else but we won't go into yes. that um, <laughs> um looks of contempt and your derision well, it's more or less yeah. the same thing. Um, and then tightening in terms of um, like removing unnecessary words in, a, in a, a phrasing. So one that you've got is um, indicating to Oliver he was now clear to initiate the baton transfer. Hmm. Whereas I've just said, mm -hmm. got it, he said, initiating the baton transfer. So you don't need yeah. indicating to Oliver he was now clear to. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it's superfluous yeah, words, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. So mm -hmm. redundant words, I think the uh, the pros call it. Um, 
Other than that, it's it's sort of um, watching for what what they call ticks. So um, things like uh, over overused words that don't actually add anything, which is slightly different to redundant. And what I mean is, if you so you have you like the word now. Mm, I do. You know, he was doing this now. Mm. It was mm-hmm. this now? Um, there's actually 521 occurrences of the word now. <laughs> now you really? Yeah. You've half the book if you take those well, out. Really. I, I won't got, take no that the title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you see her. Yes. <laughs> wow, that's frightening. And just you had 340 really? occurrences of just, and I use that a lot. <laughs> it's very yeah. easy to fall into these traps because we say it as we speak. You know, all the time we probably pepper our our sentences just naturally with it. Um, so that and in Scrivener, you can actually do, I think it's under project, text statistics, uh, and then word oh, frequency. Really? Oh, hang on. I'm opening up Scrivener by you. I didn't know this. Are you on a, you're I'm not on a Windows. Mac? I'm in Windows. Yeah. Okay. Let's have a look. So, uh, so what do project, I Project, text yeah. statistics. Oh, on project. Uh, oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yes, never even looked and then that. there'll be a box okay. comes up and there's a little arrow to open up word frequency. I haven't played oh, around. I can't remember which setting you have to be in to make it work and whether you can do it across the whole manuscript or not, but you should be able to do it across sections. And that'll tell you which your most used words are. How and some of them will have to be there. You know, the will be right up there. <laughs> but you, you're not going to wipe out every instance of the. So just, you know, um, so that was a tip for that. Um, things like using different words for the, for the same action. So don't say looked all the time. You can use glanced, stared, glared, you know, um, different ways of saying that. Um, and tag word, dialogue tags. I think one good one is to watch out for... Um, you can't smile a word. You can mm. say, he said with a smile. Yes. And there's, you know, things things like that. So really, the, the very minor things, you know, if you want, and, and you're pretty, I would say you're pretty good at not overusing adverbs, um, you know, which is where you would say, he said quietly, when you actually should say he whispered. I draw, I'm really hyper aware of yes. that. It's the one thing I learned from Stephen King, you know, the don't use the adverbs yep. from his on writing yeah. book. So I'm hyper aware mm. of that one. I do remember that one. Yes. So I think you're I think you're okay with that. You don't you don't pepper it with with adverbs. Um, so really I, I would say it's it's just watching for, for things like that. To, and I would classify all of that really, apart from the commas, I would cross, classify most of that as just tightening up your writing. And I would say that, that you, when you say you, you do your own, you do an edit, you do a quick sort of self-edit, I don't know how you approach that, um, but I would say that your first draft is for you, where you're in creative flow, you're doing high volume, so you're not thinking about the technical aspects of it. But when you come to edit, you're doing that for the reader. And it's about switching off that that flow and trying to be critical, 
but to be self-critical, which I know you love doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, not, not on editing, obviously. Uh, um, I'm actually quite heartened by that because to me, those are those are fairly minor they things. Are. You know, they're just mm. uh, they're not. There's nothing nothing that troubles me in there at all. You know, they're they're what you call bad habits. Mm. I, I think. Mm. Um, you know, like like somebody like might fiddle with their hair in real life. You know, mm. it's it's I'm fiddling with my hair rather than picking my nose in public. <laughs> That's it's it, it's that. It's that kind of bad habit. Um, mm. So I'm not horrified by that. Mm. And actually, I recognise everything you've said mm. there. Uh, I kind of know I'm doing mm. it. Um, I think, i tell you what I think, though. For, um, and, and this is why I'm not sure why I didn't do Debbie's course, because it was certainly, I think I'm so darn busy writing the things. Mm. I almost need to take a step back to, I think I need to learn to edit mm. because I need a system. I'm a systems guy. Definitely. And if, if if I had a list of things, you know, check for the, what, the things you've told me, they're really, really useful, actually. Um, even that, even just that tip with Scrivener, extremely mm. useful. But I, I need a kind of system. That That's how I respond, yeah. a tick list to work through. Yeah. And I think it's, it's sort of, it can come under several headings. And I'm sure there will be, there are books. I know there are books about editing. Um, it's about, you. it's having a logical progression of your story with, appropriate pacing so things like the length of your sentences you don't want them all to be the same length um you want the rhythm to vary you want the you know the pacing to change so it doesn't sound boring um so you mix short sentences long sentences medium having your paragraphs in the right places as well um because one one tip i found really useful is that when people are reading they take in the beginning and the end of the paragraph the most so that's where your natural focus is. You sort of skim through the middle bit, actually, if you're, if you're reading something and you're engrossed and you, you know, you're working your way through it quite quickly. Um, so ending a paragraph on an important bit means it doesn't get lost. And making sure that you don't have really long paragraphs because as a reader, you yourself will know you like to see a bit of white space on the page. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think I tend to be fairly short and punchy mm-hmm. with um, uh, because um, so I try and make my chapters punchy so that at the end of a chapter you always you always finish on a beat yes. of a question yeah. or, or yeah, some tension um, or unresolved. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so how did you find it from from that kind of reading point of mm-hmm. view? Um, uh, both both of those books hopefully are fairly punchy and that they don't. I hope they don't sort of have that soggy middle i hope the pace is reasonable is it? yeah I, I think so um i mean this is the test this is a test i don't know whether i'm right but my theory is that um left for dead you probably pants that one and now you see her if i had to guess i would say you did some outlining on that Yes, so I'm trying to. Re- I can't even remember. Terrible, isn't it? Uh, I, I, I think um, yeah. So so now you see, her definitely was planned. It had to be planned because I had to drop it. Um, I had to give it to Adam. So Adam looked at the structure. Right. Uh, what was it? Forty-five chapters, if I yes. remember rightly, for that book. Um, so each chapter, I I had an outline, and I had in each chapter uh, a, a paragraph. Sorry. A, a bracket that said where the action of the tension was in mm-hmm. each chapter. So I, I marked the tension point or, or the, the, you know, the stress yes. points in each chapter. Yeah. Adam went through it and made a couple of a very, very light suggestions to me, um, usually about um, just telling me to curb violence levels because he 
with his feedback, has had a lot of criticism for, for too much violence. So right. he's reined the violence right back. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very light suggestions from Adam. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just uh, sort of wrote it. Now, yeah. with Left for Dead, I, I knew... Um, so that, yeah, I'm pretty sure I hadn't done that on a chapter-by-chapter basis. I knew the arc uh, in that... Um, you know, I knew that the, who the, the, the well, sorry, I knew that the the guy who you thought was the killer mm-hmm. was was buried, <laughs> wasn't even around, and I knew I knew roughly what the twist was. Mm. Um, in that, I often line up the characters. So, frankly, it could be any number of people, and then I I, I like plane circling an airport. I bring one yes. down to land. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so why um, why why do you feel that? I could just tell, and it was mainly around on Left for Dead. I pointed out some inconsistencies and some illogical things towards the end where Mm. I knew originally you'd said something different and it didn't match up. So you will find when you come to look at the edits on Left 4 Dead, I've asked you to write out a particular scene as it happened from each of the characters' point of view because it just felt a little muddled and yes. some of it couldn't have been true from the way other people described it or what they right. described what they saw so there were some missing bits and some conflicting bits so i could definitely tell the difference which is quite interesting isn't it <laughs> isn't it yeah because i i've plotted this next one too interestingly yes. because i got on so well with now you see yeah. that because i had to do that um so the ones i've plotted more is that the three sci-fi ones i did for john and james because i'm collaborating mm. i obviously have to be more transparent about the plot and i need to get the plot signed off to say yes. no, i don't want i don't want to write a fifty thousand word seventy five thousand word book and say no that's not what i wanted yes. so uh so so i had to write those out and think them through sequentially mm. i have to say that actually feels hard to me to to actually think through a story mm-hmm. bit by bit by bit mm-hmm. it's really hard for me to do that yeah. but actually I think I'm benefiting from you it. You don't need to be really detailed about it if you don't want to be it's just having enough signposts isn't it I mean I, I love planning um, again it's the analytical bit of me uh, but it makes sure that I don't waste time writing stuff that then has to be junk because it was plain wrong <laughs> but I think all the way through what, what I am conscious of when I when I'm editing whether it's my own or, or somebody else's, is that you want to avoid anything that jars and takes the reader out of the story. You want to keep them in there. So whether that's uh, an inconsistency in the plot or an inconsistency in the words that you're using, or whether it's just like a niggling feeling that the, the style is not is a bit clunky, so you might start three or four sentences with the word he in succession, you know, um, or you use the same word in two sentences, the same unusual word in in two adjacent sentences, you know, anything like that and anything like any of these things that I've pointed out, it just sort of pulls the reader out of the story when you want them to stay immersed. The um, What you were saying about the the, the kind of the continuity of it, I, I call that um, fact alignment. Mm-hmm. So obviously, so, so a lot of the time when I'm writing, I will realise later in the book that I needed to seed something earlier on, you know, because there's always that slight element of emergence. You think, oh, actually, that works better if I go back and put that in. Yes. So I, I always kind of expect to, to just realign the facts a little bit, mm. just to make the kind of... Cause, um, so with Left for Dead, I wasn't quite sure until the end who was going to do mm. it. Uh, I, I pretty well knew, but I wasn't quite sure, because I might have bought... I, I was half-minded to bring the guy who was dead 
you know, have him alive. That was yes. one permutation that he, he wasn't even dead. Um, and so, so then you have to go back and you have to make sure the plot line works mm. all the way, mm-hmm. all the way through. So, um, it, but it's interesting that you say that. Um, and, and obviously I'll do that when I get to that um, edit. Mm-hmm. I, I have to say that I prefer, much as I find it hard, I have just plotted this one that you're going to get next, mm-hmm. which is uh, I'm 15,000 words into at the moment. And I do like it, actually. I mm-hmm. do like doing it, even though I don't like doing it. I don't like the process. I do like the result that I get from yes. it. Yes, um, yeah. It feels like I've got a surety of course is the way I would describe that. Yes. Know, if I was in a boat, I've got a surety of where I'm heading for yeah. right from the outset. I quite like that. And I, I would guess, because I, well, actually, I have I have um, pantsed a novel or discovery written or whatever everybody calls it. Um, I did that in NaNoWriMo in 2014. And for me, it was nowhere near as... Uh, you know, as it didn't, it just, it was just no, nowhere near the quality that I did with this one that I've plotted and and planned and analysed within an inch of its life now. Um, but I, I think that if you just do one pass as a read through, then you're not going to get everything because actually you can't hold all of these things in your mind at the same time to look for. But I think if you plan it then, you know, even at whatever level, then it must help the times when you sit down and you think, oh, I'm not sure I'm in the mood for this. You've got something to go on, haven't you? Yeah, I, I think the, um, I, th- I think, you know, probably my core problem is that I'm writing and releasing so fast mm. that these things are, you know, I always say about the 80-20 rule, that they're good enough to ship, but they're not, um, you know, they could, there's still room there, there's buffer room. For more polishing mm. so um and, and i that's probably my that's probably the ground i've kind of got to fight for but mm-hmm. I, i'm trying to get to a point at which i can relax a little bit you know, with, <laughs> the, with, with, with the writing uh to, to spend on the craft mm-hmm. you know it would almost it would almost be worth taking half a year out mm. only to focus on craft and, and and it would almost be like a stitch in time but i'm moving so fast to write the blasted things and release mm. them that that I, I feel like i haven't sort of got the time to do that but I, I know it needs to be done mm. it's, a, it's a funny old game it, it is so and I guess it's, it's your decision to do the rapid release that's at the core of this because if you were taking it more slowly you would have time to learn a bit more with each novel and you'd get there in the same amount of time probably um you know it's it's six and two threes I guess isn't it yeah, well, I, I'm certainly very aware of it. I mean, I, I, I find that uh, very encouraging. What, what I ask Bill is, as a reader, just this is just not as an mm. editor, just as a reader, um, did the books keep you guessing? Because they're supposed to keep yes. you guessing until <laughs> the end. You know? Oh, yes. Sorry, you're, you're asking me. Yeah. Yes, yes, um, yeah. On Left for Dead, because of some of the things I've referred to, I guessed quite early on what was what was going to happen but I think if you make the changes then I think that'll sort that out um but no I, I didn't guess with with uh, now you see her that that was that was a good surprise uh, so yeah <laughs> it definitely and carried so left, me along oh good good that's and left for dead is is salvageable if I do the oh yeah absolutely you, um, absolutely it's it's great I really like the uh, the tension and the characterization and the location and everything in that one um it's it's just the delivery of it that you can improve to to get it where it needs to be yeah definitely 
Now, you see, now I'm massively encouraged by that. I know you, you've, um, you see, I, that, to me, that's that's just black and white feedback as far mm-hmm. as I'm concerned. You know, either I've used too many nows or I haven't as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> you know, it's the, there's no arguing about it. Um, uh, you know, uh, so, so I that's that feedback's absolutely fine for me. It's also something that I can um, resolve. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, so it's not... Uh, bad writing it's no. not a bad book uh no none of those horrors are in no. there uh these are all things that i can tidy up uh, and fix yeah. uh, very easily mm-hmm. by the sounds yeah. of it and it, it is essential if you're spending a lot of money on covers why wouldn't you make the inside as good as it good as it can possibly be um you know because the danger is if it isn't then you're not going to get the read through you might shift the first one to a reader but if they feel that they're not being, you know, sort of served the quality that they're looking for, then there's so many other books they can go to, isn't there, particularly in this genre? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I believe that marketing will shift the first one, yes. uh, but good writing will shift the second, third, fourth, fifth, absolutely. and sixth. So, mm. um, which, which, again, is why, um, you know, why I've... Uh, put a lot of money by to get edits done mm-hmm. because I was gonna I was gonna shoot these ones out mm-hmm. and so actually all my books will have had you know a proper edit um, uh, the, when they go out for this rapid release mm-hmm. you know so either Helen's done them or you've done yes. them and um, and I, I do always always act on the feedback obviously mm-hmm. as well that, that I get so I um, one of the things actually one of the things Adam said I just asked this mention this to you because Adam thought that um, now you see her his comment was too many exclamation marks yes. you didn't mention that were yes, they yes they were definitely <laughs> and ellipses as well oh I'm terrible at ellipses <laughs> I, um, I, I do that in a radio kind of way mm. actually and um, I used to use it as a technique online um, to be, it's a, it's, I use it as a sales page technique to make people continue to read right and these are just terrible habits you know yeah. so so rather than a full stop which says this sentence is ended ellipses say oh there's something more around yes. the corner that's yeah. uh, that's why i use them but yeah i know yeah i, them. I mean uh, did, yes did, did you count them? um i didn't count them no but i you know, probably could <laughs> <laughs> if you really want to know <laughs> shaming do some exclamation marks shaming <laughs> yeah um so yes i mean it was uh, with the commas it was replacing them with either semicolons dashes joining words full stops you know it's if you read it aloud you should be able to sense where the break should come and it's mainly about not putting a comma in and then running the sentence along you need a proper break most of the time where where that's happened but yes exclamation marks there there, there were a lot of those that i've uh, i've got rid of <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah well so i'm a child of the 70s i mean i, I have to admit you know I, I said to you uh i did latin you know mm-hmm. i did english literature i got a degree in english literature i got a degree in education for mm-hmm. goodness sake uh, and i'm still half illiterate I'm a, I'm a child of the 70s so you know i would never tell you that i was good at grammar i would never claim to be good at punctuation and i would never claim that i'm good at spelling uh, I, I would never make those claims because i know i'm not mm-hmm. um a, a, end of story but um it, it, that's kind of why i pay for an editor mm-hmm. to be honest well, with knowing, you, because knowing's I, half the battle isn't it <laughs> yeah yeah it is yeah yeah, but I, 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 this is, I, this is why I, I just wouldn't set myself up. I wouldn't criticise somebody else's work because I frankly don't know. I'm just taking pot shots in the dark and hopefully learning, you know, bit by bit by bit. You imagine what that first book was like, Julie. If that's, <laughs> if that's book nineteen or whatever it was, you know, <laughs> a lot of work, I think, you know, in there. So, um, one of the things I asked Bill is. Um, uh, is that obviously you know you know me and you hear me agonising about you know my writing mm-hmm. and that I don't think I'm a good writer and all of this sort of nonsense on the on, on the podcast. I, I wondered what you learned from or what you're learning from seeing my process. Um, 
uh, it's that might help you with your writing. You know, Bill couldn't believe how fast I was banging it out mm-hmm. and how accurate it was when it came out, for instance. So have you learned anything from being on that side of the fence? Yeah, I, I think the, the fact that you sit down and you write 5,000 words in one session, I'm just like, oh, how do you do that? Because I don't feel as if I have that stamina. And I don't know whether it's because you have a much more free-flowing style for your first draft, whereas I do confess, I, I know you shouldn't, but I do edit as I go. And, you know, I will look back over the previous chapter before I write the next one and I'll make some changes. So I, I envy you that ability to just sit down and churn out 5,000 words um, because you need the block of marble there before you can actually start to sculpt it, don't you? Um, so mm. I think, yeah, that, that speed, and I'm sure I could never actually do it that fast. I've, I've been playing about with dictation, but I do find that quite difficult um, for fiction. But then I haven't really, uh, I, I rewrote this novel because when I first, part of the reason why, it's, why it has taken so long, apart from all my other commitments, is that when I first started it, I hadn't done any writing courses. I hadn't been to any conferences or any workshops or, you know, anything like that. I, I, I read you know, a handful of books about writing and I found Joanna Penn's podcast, but that was more about marketing. Um, and you know, so I, I'd learned a lot and then I came to the end of it and I just looked back and I thought, mm. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing when I did that first draft. But you've got in the flow, you know, you know what you're doing. You have all these ideas and I'm quite envious of that. <laughs> mm, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. We always look at the grass on the other side of the fence we do. and think, you know, I, I think I wish I could sort of edit as you're editing. <laughs> and then it's interesting, both you and Bill. You know, Bill had said about the kind of the work ethic yes. and the, you know, he would he would look at the document and say there's 5,000 words there and it's all pretty good take, yeah. you know, and, and uh, he envied that. So it's it's interesting. We've all, you know, we come to it, I think we all come to it with our different strengths and weaknesses. We do. Uh, very few of us arrive fully formed. Yeah. Um, that That's the other thing, you know, so... Mm-hmm. For, for people who are newer at this, you're not going to be able to get it all right. You know, you're, you're not going to have the whole package. No. I don't know. And I must say as well is. about the humour, I find humour really difficult. And that's why this other book that I pantsed just didn't work. It was a, an ideal vehicle for humour. And I just felt really unable to deliver that at this stage. I will come back, go back to it at, 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 in the future. But, you know, I, I just love some of the, the metaphors and the imagery that, and the things you come out with. So the one, my, one of my favourites in this one was the school run was a finely timed cross between the Hunger Games and an elite sport. <laughs> I just thought it was great. <laughs> did I write that? You did. I know, all right, that's all right. Sometimes I do that. I look back and I think, did I really write that? That's, that's actually not too bad. <laughs> I try, it's funny with the humour things because I, I don't, um, I, I Humor's a funny thing, right? I would never set myself up to be a funny guy. I, I, you know, you know when you get mm. that person who says, um, "I'm Mr. Funny," and here, here I am being yeah, funny. I would never, no, ever, ever no, set no. myself up to be that guy because I'm just not that guy. But I do, um, I do sometimes put things in books, and people tell me that um, somebody wrote to me, um, which I loved her, her comment. She said, um, I, "I really love your books." You know, I was on Tenterhooks. It was one of the Don't Tell Megs, and I burst out laughing. Uh, on several yeah, occasions yeah. Uh, and I hope you're not offended by that I thought no I'm absolutely <laughs> not offended by that because I hope there's a few you know although I'm not writing for comedic effect I hope you laugh a couple mm. of times in it 
and it doesn't take you out the tension that it's um you know it's yeah. just a uh, just this kind of laugh bomb in, a, in the yeah, middle of yeah sometimes you need that light relief don't you you don't want to bombard the reader with misery and tension and you know <laughs> and it but you, you just have a, a nice way of just sprinkling some humor in uh, at appropriate places and it, the emphasis is appropriateness really you know that's the same like the mix between showing and telling you know if if it's appropriate then tell you know don't, nobody says never tell um yes you should show if you're trying to get close to the character but sometimes you just need to get some information across in an efficient way um you know it's that thing about tightness um but it's always just got to be appropriate to the style to your voice to the way you want the story to be conveyed you know so that's things like your character's behavior um you know the 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 setting the actions and everything it's got to suit the genre and achieve what you want it to achieve um but yeah no you, you do humor really well i'm pleased about that because that's um yeah that's I, I, I am pleased about that that makes me very happy mm. so um and there's two things i haven't asked you about that i must just ask mm-hmm. you before we finish the editing bit um you mentioned it just there show don't tell and head hopping oh yes what's the plural of ne- what's the plural of nemesis nemesis <laughs> they're my, ne- my i've always said they're my nemesis nemesis that's why i need an editor julie <laughs> no, don't quote me on that one <laughs> no you're right i'm sure you are <laughs> What about those then? How, how, um, because um, interestingly, uh, Now You See Her mm-hmm. was my first book that has a single narrative. So that actually, that should have been a lot easier. Yes. Um, but I had um, different points of view in the other one. Left yes, I pointed out quite a few in Left for Dead where uh, the, there was actually some big, quite big chunks where I, I had to actually say I, w- I would delete this because he couldn't possibly have known that and you're in his point of view or vice versa, you know. Um, So that did hop around quite a lot in places, whereas this one, yes, it was much more straightforward because it's all from Corey's point of view. Um, The only thing on that that I have said is that I would make your first chapter an um, prologue because the first chapter isn't from Corey's point of view. And if you read the first chapter of a book, I certainly ought always automatically assume that is your protagonist. But it's not. Did I I not make that prologue? Because it was supposed to be. Oh, right, it's supposed to be. Yeah, so that's my my bad. Because, yeah, I I totally agree with you because it's it's completely different, isn't it? It takes out the story Mm -hmm. and then chapter one is Corey's voice and carries carries on to the end. Yeah, so I totally agree with you. So that's just uh, an error. Uh, schoolboy era on my part that one so um yeah and that's another interesting thing this next book or the book i'm writing at the moment is going to be um single fixed point of view mm-hmm. because I, I many respects i think probably i've made life too hard for yeah. myself um and and actually it's really easy when you just say you know it's this is cory this is one person uh it's dead easy mm-hmm. that way so maybe i made life too too hard for myself doing the different time frames and things yeah, like that. Yeah, I've but. done it the other way around. I, I started off with a single point of view in my uh, in my novel and I've added a second one. <laughs> 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 but because uh, I'd done the majority of it already, it wasn't such a big deal, really. <laughs> the agonies we go through know. to get these books out. <laughs> I know, I know. It's... Now, um, so I'm delighted to hear that. I, I'm actually really pleased with Good. that feedback. I don't. There's nothing there that worries me, you know, in the slightest. I mean, I know it's really dead annoying from your point of view. No, no, all no. The, it's it's a professional job, isn't it? That, that's what I'm there to do. I'm there to make your writing even better. 
But it may, it may, that's maybe very happy that feedback because uh, what I've taken from that is that although you know clearly there are things that I, I need to tidy up, um, what I've heard from that is is like good story, good writing. Mm. Um, mm. Uh, that's what I got from that. Uh, and clearly, technically, we've got to tidy it up. But mm. but you know really. Really, if I was grammatically perfect, but I didn't have good story, good writing and, and humour, as mm. you said, then I wouldn't have a book. Exactly. I'd just have a nice piece of writing. So to me, those are the important mm. bits. And, and, and I, I feel like I've passed that mm-hmm. bit. And, and the technical bits will hopefully will just improve, improve, improve over time with that. Stuff. Yes. And don't forget that you never see the first draft of the Stephen King book. <laughs> so you, yes. you know, so you have no way of knowing what it started i mean i'm sure now he just rattles them off perfectly but you know in the early stages any any writer you know we all start with a scruffy first draft <laughs> uh, yes absolutely you, you just you, don't um, see i it. can remember this <laughs> no well I, I remember this in my in the very early days before i was even employed by the bbc in the days when you used to do things by tape i can remember as um before i was even being paid for it, i volunteered at radio lincolnshire and I'd done these things called Vox Pops, you know, mm. you go and interview people mm. in the street. And I had, I was sitting there in front of one of these old reel-to-reel tape recorders with about 30 edited clips round my neck, which is how you used <laughs> oh, to hang yes. the tape in those days. And, and and I was there, like, messing around, trying to work out which, of, I only did about four or five for the Vox Pop, and I was there messing around, and a guy came up to me and said, no one knows what ends up in the bin. Mm. They just judge it by what gets released. Yeah. And it was the best bit of advice he ever gave mm-hmm. you. Just get the blasted thing out there. Stop fiddling around with it. Uh, because what, what goes out will be fine. Mm. Um, you know, and you, there's a million permutations of it, but just get something that's that's good out there. And um, it was great advice, actually. Um, mm-hmm. And because, because he, you know, he was saying, you've got a deadline. You know, this piece is on the 12 o'clock news. Get it out. <laughs> and that, that's what it boiled down to. And uh, it was good advice that served me well in the BBC. Uh, don't miss a deadline um, with them. Yes. So, uh, right. So that that's great. Thank you very much for doing that. That's that's heartened me considerably. Um, and I'm delighted to hear I haven't put you off um, editing, which is which is also <laughs> a good start. Uh, and so let's talk about that a little bit mm. because um, as your life evolves mm-hmm. um, and and it's going into a very exciting phase now and mm-hmm. um, more time more travel mm. and um, you're going to do more sort of stuff that you can take with you on the road yes. which is exactly what I'm aspiring to do as well um, so t- tell us about what your kind of plans are as far as editing is concerned and, and also what your availability might be for people mm-hmm. who are listening to this thinking oh I'd like you to look at my book <laughs> well I've um, joined the Society for Editors and Proofreaders Uh, with a view to doing some formal courses because I think that always helps to make you appeal more to writers who who want editing because they want some sort of quality assurance, don't they? Um, So I'm looking forward to to that. Um, And I've got a few consultancy assignments and I'm working on an online course over the summer for school leaders on developing an income generation strategy. so I'll. You know how to live, I Julie. Do, don't I you? know. <laughs> well, they're not getting enough money from the government, you see, so they'll have to do something. <laughs> um, so I'm sort of starting to sort of think ahead, and uh, there's quite a number of pieces of work that I need to uh, finish off or, or complete and, and work through. Um, so I, I would say, and I've got your four books to. Uh, to do between now and December so really <laughs> no I, the nightmare before Christmas great. Right. <laughs> so so really I'm I'm thinking that if people are you know working on the manuscript and they're going to be ready by Christmas then sort of in the new year I would start uh, marketing myself 
uh, to take on editing work. Um, so I, I, you know, it's it's just a matter of whatever crops up really, uh, and I don't know where I'll be or. <laughs> Which is, is it's quite strange, really, for somebody that likes to plan things in advance and so on. Um, but you know, these these things happen for a reason, and uh, it's just it's just our time to to spend time together and enjoy a bit more travel, see a bit more of our own country, rather than keep going abroad all the time. We'll still have the the foreign holidays but uh, we would like to do you know two around scotland we live in the northeast it's ridiculous that we don't go to scotland as much yeah yeah it's um, close from here yes that's right and uh, family history wise my ancestors are from ireland so when i get time to do a bit more family tree research then we'll we'll tackle ireland as well so yeah so i'm, I'm thinking more about sort of the uh, the cold months of january onwards <laughs> Um, well, to do some do some editing. Well, I, I wish you well with it. I'm very grateful for you stepping in with mine. And, and I, I need to make a point here in that the reason um, that it was so fortuitous that Julie's you know, doing this and we've come to this arrangement between now and Christmas is I didn't know I was going to be rapid releasing. And so I booked in my books with Helen Fazal, who normally does my editing. But Helen, obviously, just she can't drop everything because I'm suddenly yeah. writing four new books. <laughs> and, um, and this is why you should talk to Julie now, not not at the last minute, if you're going to have a book that's ready for editing in December stroke, well, it'll be January, really, I yes, guess, it will, yes. that, you, that you start work mm-hmm. on it. Um, this is like a sausage factory. It's like a sausage factory as an author and it's a sausage factory as an editor mm-hmm. in that, you know, editors can't just drop everything. So um, do be thinking ahead about when you need the edit, not when you're starting the book, but when you might need the edit. Um, because, you know, in fairness to editors, you have to give them plenty of warning and you need to give them enough time to work through the book properly because you don't want to be releasing stuff that you haven't done properly either do you for your sort of self sense of uh, satisfaction with exactly Mm, need plenty of time for it so look i I really wish you well with that joe i think it's a great sort of plan uh to, to get some travel in and um is there any how can people contact what's your best way for people to get in touch um that's a good question <laughs> yeah you hadn't thought about that Come on, marketing julie yes marketing. i know I've, I've um yeah i do have an author website which is uh juliecoordinateauthor.com so they can use the contact form on there uh, and that should get to me i hope <laughs> And make that initial contact. Yeah, yes. Brilliant. Yeah. Otherwise, really otherwise, appreciate- I'm on Twitter. It's at Julie underscore Cordiner. So you can always send me a message uh, through Twitter. And drop me a line if you can't um, do any of that, and I'll put you in touch with uh, Julie. So, look, I'm really grateful for you working through the books. Thanks ever so much for that report. I, I feel uh, up more, you know, more than down. I don't feel down about that at all. That's all very, very positive. I, I expected a real stern telling off from you, Julie, because so uh, <laughs> I've got away with my authorial life just there, which is great. So, so, thank you very much. I appreciate You're it. You're welcome. <laughs> and it's been really good to have the opportunity to talk about it, actually, because I do enjoy it so much. Um, so, yeah, that's great. Thank you. That was Julie Cordoner chatting to me about my two recently written books, Now You See Her and Left for Dead. I found both of those feedback sessions to be massively encouraging. And so perhaps after writing 20 books, I'm finally beginning to get the hang of this writing lark. That's it for this week's edition of The Diary. I will have another diary update for you next Saturday when I will be sharing my tech toolkit for indie authors in a specially extended episode. In the meantime, have a great week of writing. I'll speak to you next Saturday. Bye-bye for now. Thanks for listening to Paul's Podcast Diary. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed to hear next week's update. 
and find out how many words get produced over the next seven days. Until then, we hope you have a great week of writing.